Hey, my name's Ian Begley. You're watching the NBA Exchange with Dexter Henry. Hey everybody, welcome to the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. Glad to have you back with us after another week, exciting weekend of NBA basketball. Talked about on Friday, LeBron is back. The Bulls are looking good. We're going to get to them later in the week, which is rather interesting. Some teams streaking that we did not think were going to be streaking, like the Houston Rockets. The Suns' winning streak is over, ended on Friday night at the hand of the Golden State Warriors. So much to talk about. But this episode, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets a lot. We spoke about them a bit last week with my man Gerard Hector. We are going to talk to them about that again, talk to you guys about the Nets again. And I'm so excited to do it because, as many of you guys know, watch this, uh, for a couple of years, early in the part of the last decade, I worked for Nets Daily uh, loved my time working there, did video for them, my man Tom Lorenzo, Bob Windrum, the whole crew, and doing that, and then also just interacting with the great fans of Net City, one of, if not, the I call it the best SB Nation fan site for sure. So I had to bring somebody on from Nets Daily, my man, Chris Milholland. He is a one of the staff writers at Nets Daily. He is very plugged into the Nets, knows everything that's going on. Chris, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Dexter, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing well, man. Good to see you. Uh, and I'm really glad to see you because I've actually seen you in person a couple of times this year. We uh yeah. we, we got to see each other at a couple of Nets events, so that that has been good for sure. So we always get to do that. But we got to talk about the Nets, okay? Let's do it. Interesting time for the Nets. They are 16 and 7. They are atop the Eastern Conference. However, I think a lot of people around many circles in the NBA. Shows like this, a little bit disappointed with the Nets. What is the state of the Brooklyn Nets right now? How's the fan base feeling? How are you feeling covering the team? What's the state of the Brooklyn Nets? Well, I guess you can say how the team feels and how the fan base feels are two different sides of the spectrum, yes. right? Because like a little, like you were talking about a little off air, we were talking about it, right? The Nets are on top of the Eastern Conference, right? And that could be all. That's glory. That's wonderful. That's kind of where they wanted to be. They're working on their defense. They've always been kind of. Uh, preaching their defensive improvement over these past stretch of games. And now they're sitting on top of these with a flip. It's not a, it's not a flimsy lead, but you know, it's, it's somewhat commanding. I guess you could say they've always been on, they've been at that top for a while now, but at the same time, they, there's plenty of red flags, I guess you'd say to go around their record against above 500 teams, their record against the East of conference seats, two to five is one to, is I think it's one in five or two and four right now. And then at the end of the day, you'll have Harden, which I can imagine we're going to talk about as well. So, you know, there's a lot of ifs, ands, what ifs, those type of things. What if Harden comes back? You know, you have all those little factors that go in between and kind of fill in those holes. But at the end of the day, where this team's standing is, you know, they're on top of the East right now and they're still forming that continuity and connectivity with each other. Right. It's still early, even though people mm-hmm. have, have talked about it. We'll get, we'll get into more of that about what you think they actually are right now, but you brought up James Harden. We got to talk about James Harden here. His play has been inconsistent. You know, some day games he's looked really good. We saw this against the Knicks last week, and then against the Bulls, he doesn't look so good the other day when the Nets take a loss uh, to the Chicago Bulls. What do you think was going on with James Harden? And I think it's imperative for him to improve his play and look more like the closer to the former MVP that we've seen. 
What have you made of the play being up and down for James Harden this season? You know, it was interesting because uh, what was it? It was against the Suns, I believe it was. Uh, after the game, he was talking. So I think it was Greg. Greg asked him, he's like, hey, are you having a little bit of trouble with your role? Like finding him, when do you want to score? When do you want to facilitate? Mostly what part of your game do you really want to use to dominate that certain game? Because, you know, as Harden's one of those players that reads the game as it goes on. He doesn't go in knowing, hey, I got, I got to score this game or, hey, I got to facilitate this game. He kind of delivers based on whatever the defense gives him, right, or whatever the game gives him. So when you saw Harden talk about his role, <coughs> it was more so kind of he was frustrated. He was like, I'm still trying to figure this out. He goes, I'm still trying to figure out when to score, when to facilitate. And he dropped it out. He kind of dropped in there that, hey, it's the Kyrie Irving apps that's kind of overlapping this whole entire, I guess you could say, this whole bubble of his play, right? Because that's where it comes down to. Because when the Nets had to replace Kyrie Irving, it wasn't going to be by individual or by just Harden or KD, just by them kind of substituting that. It's going to have to come by a whole committee of group, right? So yes, uh, last night for well two nights ago now with the Chicago loss, Harden took responsibility for it because during that game we saw the game. You know he missed a lot of easy ones at the rim. His shots weren't falling. There was a the turnovers were pretty good overall. You know with the team and especially how they average. But it was just the kind of his shots weren't going in. He was he was he was just trying to really just shoot himself out of his rhythm or get himself into a rhythm. Kind of just kept shooting, trying to find something. And after the game, he took responsibility for the loss. Kevin Durant came back and said, hey, if I took – if I even made more shots, I would have taken more responsibility off James Harden. So – and then um, Paul Millsap kind of went in and became the messenger of the whole thing and was like, hey, it's a team game. It's not It's not going to be on one certain player. But, you know, overall, I'm kind of a big believer in this more so. Okay, these early games, the Nets only need James Harden really to – really show himself in the playoffs. That's when they really need him at his best, right? But at the same time, he's on a contract year, which we all know. Mm-hmm. And when you see this inconsistent play of him scoring, okay, he's having 30-point games, he's shooting really well, and then he's got other games where he's got double-digit turnovers and 12, 11 assists, but he's only got eight points on 14 of something like 27 shooting, right? There's going to be those type of games in between. But, you know, overall, it's it, he's – been on a little bit of a flow, I guess you could say, you know, kind of just getting his legs back and moving better, which I've noticed, at least with his mobility. But overall, you know, it's it's going to be one of those things that can really keep an eye on to see if he could really just get into a rhythm and get out of this kind of inconsistent funk that he's in. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that, especially with Kyrie out. And to that point you brought up about KD talking about that he needs to do more I say, what more can KD do, Chris? He's been doing a lot. He's been shouldering the load. And I look at this, and I think Nets fans do this too, and I see this on Twitter talking to the Nets fans. you got to be a little bit worried about KD, right? And, and all that he's doing offensively, he's playing at an MVP level. But do you think there's too much placed on KD with Harden's inconsistency? I think I think it's definitely worrisome that KD's playing a lot of minutes and doing this type of, and mostly managing this many duties to keep the net ship afloat. I think that it's definitely concerning, right? Because we had a, a couple like a day ago or two days ago, Kevin Durant came up and said, "Hey, my my time as a basketball player on the court, it's not going to be something that lasts forever. So I want to play as many minutes as possible. I want to." And he like he mostly said that. And Steve Nash said it too because when we asked him before the the Bulls game because it was the second game of back to back, we asked him we're like, "Hey." 
is there any mini minutes restrictions going on? Like what's the, what's the kind of, how are he, is he going to play in this game? And Steve Nash said, Hey, this guy's got an intense passion for the bas- for the game of basketball. He doesn't want to play without restrictions. He's not going to play without restrictions. We're going to find little pockets of rest for him in between games, but every single game it's been in the mid thirties, high thirties and minutes. So when you look at that, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta evaluate it this way. This is the most minutes he's played since he's torn his Achilles, right? It's in, back in 2019. And then the other way is, okay, he's he's producing at a high, very high clip. If he has an off day, mostly the Nets are guaranteed a loss. And is this going to be something that's manageable in the middle of the season heading into the playoffs? So you have all those type of kind of uh, little debates that you could have. I'm not really a fan of him playing that many minutes, but at the same time, if they do kind of lower that amount, the Nets are putting themselves at a disservice because then now, now they're going to lose games because of how Harden's playing, how the team has played without KD kind of having that really massive role on him. So, you know, it is worrisome. I wish that they could find a little more pockets of rest. They've done that in the in the beginning of second quarters, held them out for at least six six minutes, for five minutes, and then they put him back in. That's, that also stretched the importance of having a strong start with this Nets team. It gives them superstars a little more pocket of rest. But, you know, it is it is concerning, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think it is, it is a little bit. We got people watching uh, us live on YouTube who are saying Harden needs to get slapped. Uh, I see you, yeah. Guillermo. Uh, people are frustrated about what is being put on, on KD here. But I, I think when you also look at this, right, when you're talking mm-hmm. about the star players, and that's always what it's going to be with the Nets, right? We're going to talk about yeah. that big three. We're going to talk about Kyrie and – and KD and James Harden, we're going to do that. But when you look at the supporting cast, you and I, we were talking a little bit about something different around Blake Griffin before we came on the show. Mm-hmm. But Blake Griffin, we've seen him get benched out of the rotation. Do you think Brooklyn's supporting cast, as is, as is constructed right now, do you think it's good enough, or will the team need to make upgrades to those guys who are going to support KD and Harden? You know, I think I think they're going to need a, a, an addition or two. I've always been big on getting another ball handler. I've been big on that, and it's it, and I think that's probably an avenue that they will take or at least heavily explore when it comes to the trade deadline, just for fit fit purposes and needs. With their <coughs> with the absence of Irving, apologies, and then um, and overall, you got also remember in this stretch they're still without Joe Harris. They're going to be without him for at least four more weeks. He had ankle surgery, which is a big it's a big void because he helps space the floor. He's an extra shooter on the floor. And at the end of the day, we know how many plays the Nets like to run for Joe Harris to really get the offense going. So it, Joe, the loss of Joe Harris has kind of been a big uh, – you could kind of mostly just see them watch the games and be like, hey, that's where they could have really needed Joe Harris. Like it's you could see those little pockets. And, that, and that's who you see DeAndre Bembry playing very well. I really like what he's been bringing to the team, finishing at the rim. A defender, his offensive game is starting to develop a little bit in an avenue of his game that hasn't really been highlighted, especially his previous stops like Toronto, for example. Patty Mills has been incredible shooting the ball. Just a veteran IQ kind of just comes in and knows what it takes to win a championship. Been around veteran players like LaMarcus Aldridge, who's been great. But, you know, <laughs> overall, it's going to be one of those things where they need an extra – they need that extra ball handler. Javon Carter hasn't played that many minutes as well. Blake Griffin's been, kind of been out of rotation. He's been in a really bad shooting slump. I think he's 0 of 39 the past, I think, 13 games from 30. It's something like that that's really bad. So he's got to get his 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 um, rhythm in. I think they're kind of just okay. Let's let's use these games, these upcoming games. Let's leave Blake to the side. Use these upcoming games. Try to find a big man rotation. Obviously, through that mist, you've seen that Paul Millsap has re- played really well. 
played one of his best games, if not his best game, and that's the uniform of the season. Went the Bulls yesterday off, or uh, two days ago off the bench. So you have those little things as well, but they kind of put the whole uh, bow on that whole answer. I don't think they have enough right now. I think they're definitely going to have to add a couple pieces. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. This time, we, we are just sort of now at the beginning of trade season. We talked about this the other day with Michael Scott on December 15th, looming where teams can really start to make moves with players who have been signed uh, the previous offseason. So we'll see what happens. That That's something to keep an eye on with the Nets. Now, Chris, you know around the Nets, and uh, one of the times I saw you, which was at the Nets practice in the park, Earlier this year, that was Kyrie Irving practice with the team. We saw him there that day. We thought things yeah. might be bright and rosy. It has not turned out that way. Kyrie is not with the team. And my, our friend Gerard Hector has brought this up. This team has, was constructed. You expected Kyrie to be on this team. And he's not here right now. I tend to think the longer this season goes on, Chris, and Kyrie isn't there, it's going to be harder for him to return to the team because – he's not been with the guys through the trenches, through the fights of the regular season. Do you think he can return to this team? Do you think we will see him return to this team? Um, and if he does, like, how does he fit in with what's going on right now? You know, that's a lottery question. You know, across the whole NBA, is Kyrie Irving going to return to this team? You know, like, it's interesting because I'm on the same exact page as you. I've always been on the same page. With that, that, and mostly on that opinion side, right? Because with the Nets, they're they're exploring all their options rotation wise. They're looking what they're getting out of their, each of their players with certain lineups, certain rotations. We've seen all that, and by the time like you know, say Kyrie Irving comes by in March, April, later on in the regular season and returns, all those roles are going to be solidified. And when you have a player like that jump back into a roster constructed where all their players already have finalized or cemented their roles, that's like to every player has to take another step back and say, okay. This is a, this is getting our new Matt now new point guard rather than Harden commanding that role. So Harden's going to have to take on a shooting guard role. So you have like all those little kind of pockets in between. I've never, you know, I'm always that guy that's just I'm I'm, I'm always an optimistic guy. You know, in the beginning, like when we saw each other, Paxton Park, I said, hey, you know, like they may find a little solution in between here. You know, they he may play away games, which wasn't the case, or he might actually, you know, just get the shot and start playing again. I've always remained on that spectrum, I guess you could say. But mm -hmm. as time goes on, that spectrum is slowly decreasing. I, you know, I don't think how it's looking right now. I think, and obviously, we all knew the major. I guess you could say silver lining would be okay. Maybe the mandate would get changed so he doesn't have to kind of follow the, these new mandate rules, right? But as that's going on, it doesn't look like that's going to change either. So it really comes down to: is he going to get vaccinated or not? Right. So. Do I do I, I can he return to the team if he gets vaccinated? Of course he can. I think they'll definitely welcome him with open arms. But you know, it's just going to be that fit, you know, because like you got a, the culture fit. Then you got on top of that, you got the chemistry. Yeah, everyone's got to take another step back. Like I said, then the point guard situation. Harden going to stay in that point guard role and have Irving thrive in that two guard, or is Irving going to go to the point and have Harden doing the two guard? So you got all those as well. So, you know, it's it's not going to be as smooth as everyone thinks of saying, hey, Kyrie's going to be the savior of the Nets here. It depends when he comes back. Because if he comes back too late, I think that they're going to have a they're going to have a little uh, roadblock of forge forging chemistry right before the postseason hits. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That matters. That chemistry matters when somebody comes back. Also, teammates looking at you. Hey, you haven't been here. You haven't been all in. I think all that matters. And it's definitely something to keep an eye on. With that being said, just the other day, a good friend of the show, Ian Begley, had reported that the Nets were still listening and taking, you know, not take listening to trade calls for Kyrie Irving. Not saying that they were necessarily willing to trade him, but they are listening uh, uh, to that. Do you think 
that trading Kyrie is a serious option for the Nets here? And is that best for the team and the team's future going forward? You know, I've always been, I've always, I've always liked the Nets approach of taking calls, right? Because there's nothing, there's no harm done with taking calls. Because at the end of the day, when, when you have a player that's not playing and you're the Nets and you're a championship contender with James Harden and, Kyrie and Kevin Durant on this team, the window of opportunity is closing. You don't have that many years to get a championship and deliver the first franchise's first championship ever, right? So when you have a player like Kyrie Irving that's on the shelf and can't play, and obviously his, his trade value is very low, you know, that's, that's no secret. And on top of that, too, when you listen to trade offers, you don't know what you're going to get. And I've always been one of those people that that have done it this way. If they know that Kyrie Irving is not going to return this year, and, you know, would you take the spectrum saying, okay, do I want to have Irving on my just on the shelf for the remainder of this year, even postseason, or should we trade something, even though it might not be the best look organizationally-wise and culturally-wise based on what Ed Brooklyn has built these past couple of years, do you want to take that risk or do you want to take that? Because at the end of the day, if you trade Kyrie Irving, you get a player. You don't know what type of player you could get back, but at least the player that they could get back fits the needs of the team that's currently constructed like we were just talking about. And that, too, is like I've always been an approach. The Nets could obviously gauge a lot of interest if they if they start becoming more aggressive, maybe two two weeks or three weeks before the trade deadline, which I think is February tenth, because that's when teams start to get a little more aggressive and a little more anxious for pieces before everything just starts falling like a waterfall and all everything starts coming out. So, is he a serious option? I wouldn't put it as a serious one right now. I, I don't think that they're completely in on trading for him, but at the same time, there's no damage done by taking calls for Kyrie Irving and seeing kind of what his his market value stands at. Yeah, there's no nothing wrong with taking those calls at all. And like you said, a good GM is always looking to improve their team, right? And if exactly. they can, they, they will, especially with the chat fact that they're trying to win now. With that being mm-hmm. said, Chris, we know the Nets are trying to win now. We know as they constructed this team with the three stars that they are trying to win now. Our friend Gerard Hector, the last episode, he said, look, I'm not necessarily sure that the Nets are championship contenders right now because as currently constructed with James Harden, with Kevin Durant, and the stress that's being placed on those two stars to score and the, you know, some of the issues that have been there with the supporting cast, he wasn't necessarily sure about that. So I have to ask you the same question, Chris. Do you think the Nets, as they are right now, 16-7 and seven, atop the Eastern Conference, are they championship contenders i'm on the same page as our boy gerard i don't i don't think they're championship <laughs> contenders honestly I, they are championship contenders but i don't think they're very strong championship contenders for how it's currently is right that, i guess that's the perfect way of of uh, i guess summing it up because we've seen what happens when they throw good defenses at certain stars right we've seen the boxing one against the warriors what they did with kevin durant and james Harden completely shut them down then you have then that that responsibility around their role players to really carry a load and act and kind of attack by committee and score by committee just to supplement that Kevin Durant or James Harden is having that off day, it usually doesn't go as planned. That's usually what happens when they, they get off the slow starts. That's another thing. They get off the slow starts, and then they're playing downhill throughout the whole game, and they may cut it to five or six between um, between like the third, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, kind of getting in those tail-end minutes. But then the other team gets hot, they start making shots, and then, it, and then they pull out with the win. So, you know, <clears throat> to sum it up as a whole, 
I don't think they're they are contenders. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think that they're strong contenders in the Eastern Conference. I would put Milwaukee over them. I really like how they kind of. I've always been a really big fan of the Heat being big sleepers. You know, I've always liked that pickup of Kyle Lowry, and I really like Kyle Lowry on that team. And at the end of the day, too, like we like Dexter, like you you noted right there, when Kevin Durant's carrying such a high load and James Harden's carrying such a high load, like we talked about a little earlier ago with the minutes. When those minutes start to add up progressively throughout this whole season with no really no rest on second legs of back-to-backs, no rest days here, and they just keep coming, you know, by the postseason end, you don't know how these guys are going to look, especially when you are probably not going to have Kyrie Irving. Yep, wear and tear, something something to worry about for sure. But we talked about, you know, the recent loss to Chicago, talked about the inconsistency, looked great last week against the Knicks, having that closeout victory at home. Uh, Now Brooklyn's going to go on a four-game road trip. Four games on the road. This is what they got, Chris, at Dallas on Tuesday, back-to-back with Houston in Houston. Then they go to Atlanta and to Detroit. This is a four-game trip. I think you know watching the NBA for a long time, sometimes it's good to get away from home. Sometimes teams unite, bond even stronger on the road. How important do you think this four-game road trip is for the Nets and what we can see them do going forward into the month of December? I think it's very good for this team because this team has has done very well on the road this year. They're 8-2, and two, I believe, which leads the league in, in a road record so far this year. And on top of that, when you look at these games, you got Dallas tomorrow, which is going to be – it's going to be. I think that's going to be great. I think that's going to be a really good game to watch. Then you got Wednesday against the Rockets. I believe that this is the first game that Hardy comes back to Houston with a lot of – with mostly – full capacity fans allowed in the Toyota Center. So that's going to be fun to watch, too. Obviously, when he came there first, he got a little mixture of booze between the limited fans that were in attendance. But it's going to be interesting to see there. Then you got the – then mostly ended off with the Hawks, which is going to – they're always the team that does damage against Brooklyn. So can they really perform against them? And then you have Detroit, who obviously we, we saw and we know the history there. It was a very gritty game. And even dating back to last year, they suffered that really big 20-point loss that really turned their season around. That's when things start to really roll out. So you have that as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they really command on this four-game road trip. They've been really great, like I said before, eight and two. Plus, that's when they really learn a lot about themselves. They really, they, you, you always hear them after the games talking about, hey, this, this was a great step in getting in the right direction. We really grew our continuity here. We really grew our, our game rebounding here. There's different elements that you see there. Because uh, dating back to the Chicago game, too, you could tell that this, this team, especially Hart and KD, they put a special emphasis on the next couple games coming up because they said, Hey, mm-hmm. we did all the right things we did in Chicago. We out rebounded them. We scored on second chance opportunities. They even set a season high in that category. They dished the ball. They limited the turnovers. But at the end of the day, the, the shots just didn't fall. So they want to carry over all those good things into this game against the Mavericks. We'll see if they can continue some of the good habits that we saw with them against Chicago on the road. It's so weird, Chris. We're talking about a team that's 16 and seven. I know it's so first weird. place. First place in the conference, but it's expectations that's placed on them along with everything I think that's going exactly. on uh, with Kyrie Irving that has kind of caused that. But sounds to me like you think the Nets, the Nets will be fine. Nets, the Nets will be fine. No, no, the be Nets fine. fans will be okay, right? Every, nope. Everybody will be fine. No, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. As long as Harness starts to look like himself, you know, I'm a big game marker. I know our boy Brian Fonseca, he knows this too. Yes. I'm always a big I'm always a big game mark. And by that game 50 mark, if Hart's not really looking really too sharp, then that's when I'm I would be very concerned. See, there you go. There you go, Chris. Try to tell the fans. Don't, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic, don't panic yet. Just, 
it's still, it's still, it's, it can get, it can get late, you know, or it can get late early, but you know, mm-hmm. let's not, let's not panic yet. We don't, we don't have to do that. That is Chris Milholland. Please catch his work on Nets Daily. If you're a Nets fan out there, you don't know about the Nets Daily. It is the best fan site out there. Some talented writers, great content creators. Follow Chris. Also, check out his podcast, the Wingspan Podcast. I've been a guest on the podcast with our guy, Doug Beard. You've seen him. He was on the Sports Walk uh, as well, too. So Chris and Doug do a great job with that. Chris, first time on the NBA Exchange. I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Man, this was a blast. Thank you so much again, Dex, for having me on. I hope all is well with you and yours. And I'll, I'll definitely see you soon. We've always been running into each other in these little pockets of events and stuff. That so is, we'll definitely see each other soon. So stay well right. to them. That's right, man. We will, we will see each other soon. Thank you again. Keep up all the great work with the Nets. Appreciate you, brothers. Appreciate you. That is Chris Milholland, as I said, from Nets Daily. Once again, go check out his work. Go give him a follow. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, this is a bit of a tighter episode that we're doing today. I'm going to talk to you about my NBA picks for tonight. I'll give you those when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 4 of Backpack Broadcasting's original, award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets. Literally, in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Your host, Dexter Henry. Such a great conversation we had about the Brooklyn Nets with Chris Mulholland. Uh, if you guys missed that and just are tuning in now, you can uh, catch that archived anywhere on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Also, the podcast version of this episode will be out shortly after we are done live. So we always encourage you guys to check that out as well. Thank you for those watching live and commenting. We absolutely appreciate you. But we're going to close this show out with some NBA picks. Yeah, come on. You know how it is. We know some of you out there looking to make a little bit money off these NBA games. And we try to help you do well. I just give a little bit of my insight, what I think you should do with these picks. You know how I do. Every time we do this, three games that I think 
are worth you taking a look at in terms of picking, where I think you can get some pretty good value and, you know, not do anything too ridiculous. First game of the night, got the Atlanta Hawks versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, when I talk about these games tonight, this is all about teams bouncing back for me tonight. This is going to be a little bit of a theme with my picks here tonight. It's all about teams bouncing back. Now, the first game, the Hawks versus the Timberwolves. These are both teams coming into this game with two-game skids. Atlanta just lost a really tough one that I think many people thought they should have won. They played the Charlotte Hornets, and the Hornets are have four players, including LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, who are out due to COVID protocols, and they still were able to beat the Hawks. So that was not a good loss for the Hawks. Great win for the Hornets. Not good for the Hawks and the Timberwolves, they've been skidding a bit too after they've started playing a bit better. After a sluggish start, they've been playing better, but now they're on this two-game skid. Hawks on the road, they are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm a little bit shocked about this with the line. I know the Hawks have some injuries uh, that we know about. We've talked about Bogdanovich out, of course, but I still think they're the better team here. I just still don't trust Minnesota even at home. I think the Hawks bounce back. Nate McMillan was not proud of the defensive effort against the Hornets, who actually are a fantastic offensive team, but he was not happy about his Hawks' effort. I think the Hawks bounce back here. Now, if you have some trepidation because you're telling me, hey, Dex, look, this is a back-to-back for the Hawks on the road. I'm not really sure how they do this here. I just still think they're a better team. I think they're motivated. The Hawks have played a little bit later after they've also had a slow start. I think they bounce back here. And look, I like the odds for them to just – you know, to, to cover here. Give me the Hawks plus the points. I like it. I think they're able to get it done. You look at the uh, money line for the Hawks here. It is not amazing, but it's some decent value that you can get on the money line with the Hawks. I say take a look at it. I think it's worth it. Take the Hawks if you want to take them, just plus the points uh, to win. I think that's great too. But I like the Hawks here plus two and a half on the road. Don't think you'd go wrong with their bet. MGM has them at plus 125 on the money line. If you feel good about them outright winning, which I personally do, just take them plus the 125. Not bad there at all. Give me the Hawks plus the points on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, second game of the night. Talked about the top a little bit. The streak ended for the Phoenix Suns. Some other teams have been streaking that we did not think were going to streak. Uh, that was ended by the Warriors on Friday night. And what was the second time those teams played this week? They will play a third time on Christmas, which I am very excited to see. Now, the Spurs, they're streaking. They've won four in a row, including a win over the team that beat the Suns on Friday, which is the Golden State Warriors. They beat them on Saturday. So very impressive there. All right. However, look, guys. This, this is where I think it ends for the Spurs. They've, they've looked well. They've looked good. The Suns are seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They have not played since Friday. They are well-rested. I think they bounce back here. Chris Paul, after that loss to the Warriors on Friday, talked about the fact that he would like to start another streak. I think the Suns automatically go and do this. Give me the Suns minus seven-and-a-half to cover. I think they would easily here against the Spurs. I think the Spurs are able to keep this close in the first half but then the Suns are just able to pull away. It's too much. I don't care if they have Devin Booker. They're just too much for that they have on offense. They're too good defensively. We've seen how good their defensive effort could be against the Warriors. We saw that last Tuesday. Give me the Suns to cover here easily. Minus seven and a half points. I like them. Bang the Suns here. 
to cover. Feel really good about that. My third and final game of the night involves some connection here between all these teams. Involves the Golden State Warriors. They are home hosting the the Orlando Magic, and the Magic, not one of the better teams in the NBA, as we have known, but they do play hard. However, Golden State talked about how they lost on Saturday to the Spurs. They're not happy with that. When Golden State loses in their losses this year, they've always bounced back and have had a blowout the next night. Average margin of victory after loss, 20.3 points. I like that to happen again here. Maybe they don't get to 20, but the line is high. Odds makers think here, bet MGM. They've got them at minus 14.5 point favorites. And I think they're just so good. Now, with the Warriors, I think against bad, mediocre to bad teams, you're going to see a lot of big lines. We're going to see this throughout the season just because just of how well they played on both sides of the ball. The Magic are not a good offensive team. We know that they struggle to score. The Warriors are a very good offensive team. They're top five in adjusted defensive rating and you know offensive rating, so we know how good of a team they are right here. Yeah, I see them winning by 15 or more points. I'll take that. Give me the Warriors winning by 15 or more points. I told you what I think about how their ability to bounce back. The numbers prove it. They bounce back after losses, winning by 20.3 points a game. I think they get it done here. A blowout victory over the Magic at home. Steph Curry goes nuts. Give me the Warriors to win, covering the minus 14 and a half. So give me Atlanta outright on the road against the Timberwolves. Give me the Suns to cover the seven and a half points at home against the Spurs, who will see their four-game winning streak come to an end. And give me the Warriors blowing out the Magic. I see it happening. Can't, can't, can't be taking the Magic here. If you're taking the Magic, which have great odds in the money line, like, whoo, you're seeing something that I just do not see right now. Sorry, just can't see it at all whatsoever. Those are my picks for tonight. That'll put a bow on this show. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll be talking a lot more in the world of hoops. Gerard Hector, as usual, will be joining us for NBA with Nuance. I'm sure we will have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Thank you to my guest, Chris Milholland of Nets Daily. Again, please check out his work and the fantastic work that they do over there at Nets Daily as we appreciate that so much. Also, give the NBA Exchange a follow. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the NBA Exchange. We encourage you to do that as well. And if you want to know how to support the NBA Exchange, take a look in the comments uh, below of the description of the show or on this podcast. And you give us a donation to our Patreon page that supports not only this show, but also all the other great content that we produce at Backpack Broadcasting. So for this episode of the NBA Exchange, I'm Dexter Henry. And until next time, y'all, be safe, be well, enjoy the basketball, and peace.